Hey, Chloe. Hey, Raf. How are you going? Yeah, I'm awesome today. I am also awesome. Always awesome when I chat yeah. to you, though. It's a good way to put me in a good mood. Mm, the only sad thing about today is I've already had my coffee. Yeah, I, I've already had it too. And sometimes it's I reflect on, gee, it's been a long time between <laughs> that morning coffee and now. Yeah. <laughs> How good's coffee? Oh, just on a side note. It's just like the elixir of life, basically. It's fantastic. I would agree. I've often said take anything else away from me. You can take any of my favorite foods away and leave yeah. me coffee. I can't even think of a favorite food. Coffee. I think my favorite food is coffee. Yeah. Um, anyway, what, what are we going to talk about today? Uh, today, we're going to talk about our next hot topic, which I think is always a hot topic, good and bad muscles. Oh, yeah. Okay. What are the good ones? What are the good muscles? Oh, okay. Good muscles, butt muscles. Oh, yeah. The gluteus glutes, maximus. The gluteus maximus. What, Minus, a, what about what about yeah all of the glutes right gluteus all like, of the glutes I would say the, glute, glute. the gluteus maximus is a good muscle but it's sort of like uh, it's kind of like the, everybody's good muscle you know it's sort of like the the the, the muscle of the masses right but yeah. if you're a bit more discerning you go for glute medius or even more discerning you go for glute minimus it's yeah, yeah, like definitely. you know eating truffles at a French restaurant. Yeah, yeah. And if I really want to, you know, round my peach out perfectly, well, I'm going to have to, you know, think about all of them, right? Right. <laughs> At some point, if I want to be the, the peach in my if that's something that's important to me. Um, okay, what else? Abs. Abs, oh, yeah, abs, abs. But particularly lower abs, right? I mean, lower abs are more important, oh, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, maybe. But we'll, we'll then, well, let's loop into core as well. Core. All right. What is core? Anyway, core. What the fuck core. is core? What is core? Is, is core the powerhouse? Is core a combination of uh, transverses abdominis, yeah, deep layer of- pelvic floor, multifidus, <laughs> diaphragm? Is it look? Who, or is core just your abs? The mystical core, or yeah. is or or is what most people refer to as core actually your low abs? Yeah, which is actually your external obliques. But yeah. you know, let's not go. You know, yeah. like I'm getting, I'm, I'm. You know, splitting hairs now. All right. What other good um, muscles have we got? Can or I add one? Triceps. Yeah. Triceps. Or triceps. triceps are, like, are they good muscles? Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Oh. You, you've Uh-oh. been to a, you've been to a you know a Pilates class where everyone wants to yeah. work their their butt abs and tries. Well, I don't know. I mean, I haven't taught Pilates for a while. I have to admit. Trust it. me. But Trust me. I always used to ask at the start of class, like you know, what do you what do you want to work on? And everyone go, oh, guess what? Abs, butts, inner thighs. Oh, uh, you know. And, Inner thighs, yeah. And, and, oh, then, thighs, and yeah. then there'd be like, can, people would be conflicted about arms because people would be like, mm, someone would be like arms. arms, but then other people would be like, no, no push-ups. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Whereas, whereas my, I guess, yeah, okay, okay. I even had one client, I even had one client who shall remain nameless, who only would work legs. She would not do arm exercises. Right. Whereas I was that early on, early on when I was a client, before I was a teacher, I didn't actually want to go too heavy in my springs with my footwork because I was worried it was going to bulk my thighs. Yeah. Well, there's a bad muscle. Calves. Mm, Because I I didn't want to bulk my legs up. And quads. Quads are a bad muscle. Mm, Because mm. if you're doing a leg exercise, feeling it in your glutes, good. Feeling it in your quads, bad. So if you're doing your footwork, you better be feeling it in your glutes and definitely don't you dare feel it in your quads. Or your calves because you don't want to bulk up. 
like a Romanian powerlifter or something, you know. Because, you know, doing, calf muscles aren't important or anything. From doing calf raises on two springs. There's, a, there's definitely yeah. some air quotes around that. Calf <laughs> muscles are very important, guys. But, okay, okay, so but, I tell but, you what so I, all, I tell you what all, I don't. We all, want, we all want a bigger peach, right? But we all don't yeah. want bigger calves or, you know, so I tell you calves what I are don't bad want, I don't want rash. I don't want some big neck muscles. I don't want to. I don't want to work my neck. I don't want to work my upper traps because ooh, overactive upper traps. The last yeah. thing I want to do is work them. Um, and I your sternocleidal mastoids on the front of the neck. No, no, no. I don't want to work those. And I de- And please, everyone, I really hope you can hear the tone um, yeah. in my voice. Um, please don't, don't, don't switch off right now. Um, <laughs> and and I think the bad muscles come in like in the sort of pleb version and the gourmet version as well. Just like with the good muscles, we've got you know glute max. It's like oh yeah, everyone strengthens glute max. But it's mm. like you know if you're a real connoisseur, you do glute min. You know. Whereas mm. I think for the bad muscles, like well, everybody knows upper traps, right? Don't you mm. know? Just release them. Don't work them. But, don't work them in, but, yeah. But hardly, you know, but if you're more of a connoisseur, you're like, oh, yeah, we don't work pec minor as well. Oh. Yeah. You know, oh, pec- but we do We do want to work serratus, though. Oh, serratus and lower traps all day, baby. All yeah. fucking day. <laughs> <laughs> Is that to ensure those scap aren't going to win? Oh, it's just, it's just because they're a good muscle. <laughs> they're just a good muscle. And, and I sure as hell. Do not want to feel my low back muscles working. No, no, any I don't, exercise no, ever. No. If if I feel my low back muscles, that's that's I'm a fail. Obvious, yeah. It's a fail. I'm obviously not doing it right, and yeah. looks I'm like I'm going to injure myself. Yeah. So why do we have okay. good and bad <laughs> muscles? <laughs> why do we have good? Why do we have these double standards? That and you know, like we could add a bunch of that, like TFL, your hip flexors. Oh, I'm feeling this in my hip flexors. Oh, so mm. it's a muscle. You know, like, mm. Oh, hip flexors. <laughs> yeah, you definitely don't want to feel your hip flexors. No. Gosh, how could so, I leave those out? So, like, yeah, so why do we have these double standards? And I think part of it, you know, like you alluded to at the start, is is uh, just through aesthetics. You know, we want certain parts of our body to get bigger and other parts to get smaller. And so we think – but it's, it's weird because we think, huh – I want my waist to get smaller, therefore I'm going to work my abs because working them will make them smaller. Now, I want my calves to get smaller, so therefore I won't work them because working them will make them bigger. So we just have these kind of like totally contradictory beliefs, you know, at the same time, which is to me is mm. super weird. Is there weird. a bit of logical fallacy coming in there, Raph? Well, I don't know if it's logical fallacy or just yeah. like bad quality thinking. Right. You know, it's just right. it's sloppy right. just thinking. Misbelief. Yeah, it's it's yeah. like and we're all you know, we all do it. Like we all hold mm. contradictory beliefs, you know, in some area mm. of our life. Um and and you know, I've held all of these beliefs as well and I know you have because I taught them to you. So <laughs> Oh, this is why I love these conversations because <laughs> Raf was my very first Pilates teacher. Everyone, if you if you don't know that, uh, an educator, and we we've been on you know a, a, a journey as the evolution, you know, as evidence has evolved, um, we've been cognitively agile and evolved with it, which is yeah. really cool. Uh, and, you know, some of it wasn't evidence evolving. Some of it was the evidence has been around for 20 years, but we just didn't know about it. And then yeah. it was like, oh, shit, there's all this knowledge out there that wasn't in, you know, what we were taught in our mm. courses and whatever. 
Yeah. Mm. So yes, but we weren't beholden to it. We didn't have to hold tight to it. It was like, okay, well, let's <laughs> let's evolve. Yeah. Well, I think the 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 best, you know, rather than defining ourselves by, you know, I'm trained by this mob or that mob or I believe this, you know, system or that system, I think a much better way to define ourselves is when I'm wrong, I change my mind and then I'm right again. You know. Like, oh my gosh, Raf, I love that. Can you just say that one more time? When I'm wrong, I change my mind and then I'm right again. You know, you just change your mind. If you're wrong, you just change your mind and then you're right I again. I would love yeah. to play one of the sounds on the roadcaster right now. <laughs> oh, go on, Chloe, do it. I can't remember which one the clapping one is. <laughs> oh, well. I'm sorry, we'll all miss, miss that. Um, but it'll... He didn't want me to play that, guys. I needed to get that. I really needed to get it. It's all right. I get it. It'll age badly, but I've done it. I'm happy now. Um, Yeah, so I think part of it is aesthetic because we have this, you know, often contradictory and illogical view that's, you know, strengthening certain muscles will make them smaller, e.g. the abs. Strengthening Mm -hmm. other muscles will make them bigger, e.g. your butt. You know, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, and strengthening like inner thighs. What do we think? Do we think that strengthening inner thighs is going to give us a thigh gap? Mm. You know, what do we th- does that because that would mean that our inner thigh muscles would be getting smaller from strengthening. Mm. You know, so it's like mm. just these when you actually think about it logically, it's like it just mm. doesn't make sense. Um, mm. So I think part of it's mm. aesthetic, but there's also this like like a moral aspect to it you know like hip flexors are a bad muscle and particularly if you're again if you're a pilates instructor because that's who's going to be listening to this the mm-hmm. t- the dreaded tensor fascia latte you know like the, the, the coffee muscle yeah the tfl you know like that's like because because let's face it there are there's a good hip flexor isn't there the psoas isn't the psoas like a a benign, uh, a benign I, I, and pure I, muscle well, I, I, there's realms where it says the psoas holds on to a lot of emotion. Yeah, <laughs> and and the psoas has got this muscle. sort of semi mystical quality to it, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. You know? it, it's yeah. like it's quite a spiritual muscle. I find. Should have saved the sound effect for that. I'm sorry, mm. I, I did know my timing. The TFL, off. on the other hand, is really just like if the TFL was a human, it would be like a yobbo <laughs> construction worker. You know, wolf whistling at you as you walk past. You know, whereas the psoas would be like a would be an interpretive dancer, you know, or a great yogi. What's the transverse abdominus then? Oh, the transverse abdominus, I think, is just like the Holy Spirit or something. Like the transverse yeah. abdominus is just like this mystical, magical mm. font, you know, of all that is good. <laughs> I'm really enjoying this. What and, are the upper traps? And pelvic floor. Pelvic floor. And pelvic floor, yeah. yeah. But it's only for women, pelvic floor. You know? Yes, yes, yes. It's a women's yes. muscle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, um, so interesting, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Mm. All right, yeah, so upper traps. Mm. Upper traps. What, 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 you know, you're giving them all this personality. I'm just wondering what the upper traps are. Oh, I think they're like – Harried and like overworked and under underappreciated oh, and yeah, you know stressed out yeah yeah always in a hurry and they, and they're too too helpful Frazzled. they always try and do everything you know like if I if I try and you know, do a squat I do it with my upper traps if I you know yeah. if I do a push up I do it with my upper traps I always overactivate my upper traps like you, I've heard that so many times and I'm ashamed to say 
I've told it to people so many times. You oh, look, you I would have as well. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, But the reality is, hey, not true. Um, yeah. So, because uh, uh, there have been actually quite a few studies on this in relation to upper trap soreness. Um, uh, and there, there are three studies actually that I have in my mind that are really uh, interesting um, in relation to this. So kind of putting, you know, good and bad muscles aside, because uh, hopefully if you're listening to this, you're thinking like, okay, you've had your joke, you know, we get it. Because um, <laughs> I, I feel like I was really enjoying these personalities and would be happy to work through the whole body on them. But yes, for, right. the, for the sake of our listeners, we will park this right. now but, and we'll, I mean, we'll, we'll move on. Uh, even just thinking, you know, before we get onto the science, like even just thinking about it logically, right? So you've got a bunch of muscles around your shoulder. You know, you've got lower traps and serratus, you know, the supposedly good muscles. Then you've got upper traps and sternocleidomastoids and pec minor, the supposedly bad muscles, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure where rhomboids fits into that. They're probably neutral or slightly on the good side, you know. Middle slightly traps, on the good side. Yeah. You hear a lot, you know, let's work those rhomboids. Yeah, yeah. middle traps are, are, are good as well. Although people I don't think know where the rhomboids are because they say work your rhomboids, pull your shoulders down and back, and they don't understand that the fibres of the rhomboids run uh, superiorly from the medial border of the scapula to the, the spinous processes. So the rhomboids retract and elevate. The scapulate. Um, but we hear that all the time. Somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> when people don't know. Yeah. yeah, yeah um, but yeah. anyway, let's not get into an anatomy lesson. But so we have these muscles around the shoulder girdle and, you know, some of them pull the shoulder girdle down and some of them pull it up and some of them tilt it forwards and some of them tilt it backwards and all of that jazz. Um, and so like, why would we want to tilt our shoulder girdle backwards, but not tilt it forwards? You know, like the muscles that tilt mm. it backwards are the ones that we like. Yeah, they're the good muscles, the serratus and the lower traps and all of that. But the muscles that tilt it forwards, the pec minor and the upper traps, you know, they're the ones that we think, oh, no, bad, bad, bad. You know, she's a witch, she's a witch. Um, and and it's like, well, if you raise your arm overhead, you need to tilt your, po- your scapula posteriorly. But mm-hmm. if you do a dip, you know, you or a push-up with your elbows narrow by your sides, you need to tilt your scapulae anteriorly, right? Mm. And so, you know, like, well, just like when you walk or run, you know, as you push on the ground and push the ground backwards, you need to use your glutes and hamstrings. And guess mm-hmm. what? Then you need to bring your fucking leg forwards. And what muscles do that? And, you know, so- and, and the body's really intuitive and really smart. And this is, uh, that's, this, yeah, but anyway, that's- um, I won't go down that road. So one of the one of the key determinants of high speed running performance, you mm. know, like how fast you run, is how fast you can bring your leg forwards once you've completed your stride, right? So the basically, you know, the art of running fast is really simple. You just take big steps really quickly. Mm. Right. But obviously the problem is the bigger steps you take, the slower you take them. And the quicker steps you take, the smaller steps you take. So it's really hard to take big steps really quickly. Mm. And so if you if if you're able to bring your leg forwards more quickly, you can take steps more quickly. So you can run faster. Um, and mm. and what muscles bring the leg forward? The hip flexors. So you need explosive power in the hip flexors in order mm. to run fast. Like it's just it's well established in the sports science literature. Mm. So anyway, let's mm. not let's not go into a whole big uh, biomechanics rant but mm. um let's talk about upper traps all right so upper this, traps. for me this was a I, I and i think this will be really interesting to those who are listening that might not have been exposed to this research yet 
this was a, this. I remember when you first exposed me to this research. Um, potentially, it was when I originally studied my diploma um, with you, and this was this was a real light bulb moment for me and a really um, pivotal. Um, pivotal thing for me in working with my clients that would always come into class. You know, the clients, they come in and they just constantly stretch, like, you know, you do any sort of hand in strap work with them and they're there and they're like uncomfortably, you know, sort of giving you dirty looks as they're trying to sort of like stretch out their upper, like this mm-hmm. constantly stretching out there and they're like, no, 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 I can't do any hands in, I can't do any hands in straps, etc. Yeah. This research changed how I work with these people and I'm hoping changed their lives as well. So mm. take it away, Raf. Well, the the first one I want to uh, touch on is one from 2017 by um, Tasha Stanton who uh, and Laura Mosley. Uh, works with Brendan. Yeah, works with, with our friend Brendan. Um, hi, Brendan. Brendan Mowat, who's an awesome, awesome legend. Uh, the Knowledge Exchange, good friend of ours. Yeah. We love him. Um, and um, this was a fantastic uh, study where they basically um, – investigated people's feelings of stiffness and whether they actually were stiff. And this was in the low back, not in the shoulders. Um, but basically what they did is they got people into the lab and they said like, okay, how how stiff does your low back feel? And stayed, you know, I can't, can't remember exactly, haven't got the study in front of me, but basically it was like, okay, on a scale of zero to 10, how stiff does your back feel? 10 being the stiff, you know, totally stiff and zero being loose as anything, you know, mm-hmm. and they got them to rate it. And people, you know, gave some, it was a bit more precise than that, right? I'm just kind of, it was like a 30-page research paper, but I'm trying to summarize it in one minute. Um, yeah. uh, and then so that, you know, people, some people had subjective feelings of stiffness and others had less and whatever. And then they put them on a table and they st- uh, strapped them down and they put a machine on them that actually like pushed into their back and measured how much their back moved relative to how much pressure was applied. So in other words, measured the stiffness, because stiffness right. is is a measure of what lo, how much the resistance to to um, to length change, basically, yeah. and muscles. Anyway, let's not go into the biomechanics, but uh, so basically, they got these people's subjective feeling of stiffness, and then they actually measured, you know, biomechanically with a hundred thousand dollar fucking machine, you know, their actual stiffness, and what they found was it was totally uncorrelated, right? Okay. So. What they concluded was, so basically the people who felt super stiff were no more or less stiff than the people who, you know, actually stiff than the people who didn't feel stiff, right? So Mm -hmm. feeling of stiffness is a subjective experience. Mm. It's not an indicator of the biomechanical properties of the tissues, right? Mm. So feeling stiff is a real thing. You know, it's not invalidating that experience. It's just saying that experience isn't an indicator of the biomechanical status or properties of the tissues where you, so if your upper traps feel stiff, I would, you know, bet a lot of money that they are in fact no more or less stiff than someone else who doesn't feel as stiff. So Mm -hmm. stiffness, number one, stiffness is not a good, the feeling of stiffness is not an indicator of actual stiffness. It's just an indicator Mm. that they feel stiff. And so this was, uh, Stanton et al. 2017, and I think the paper was called something like "Feeling Stiffness in the Back." Blah 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 blah. <laughs> I can't remember the rest of the name. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but you should be able to find yeah, it if you type you, in Stanton yeah. "Feeling Stiffness yeah. in the Back" 2017. Like it should be, you know, it should be pretty easy to find. Yeah. Um, 
Um, and so then we have a couple of studies in shoulders, and one was a another one from 2017. It was a systematic review, and it was by Chen et al. Um, and it was about um, workplace interventions for neck pain. Um, and so it was a systematic review and meta-analysis. So they looked at a whole bunch of um, randomized controlled trials that had been performed on uh, office workers who had, you know, tight upper traps and neck. Um, and so they looked at um, uh, like ergonomic interventions, you know, like frequent rest breaks, um, adjusting the height of their monitor, their seat, their foot rest, their elbow stands, their mouse pad, whatever, um, uh, stretching, um, you know, they looked at a whole bunch of stuff and guess what they found worked? Targeted neck and shoulder strengthening. So in other words, strengthening the bit that feels stiff, you know, st- strengthening the bit that feels tight is the most effective treatment rather than stretching it, releasing it, offloading it through ergonomics and frequent breaks or whatever. So strengthening helps. And what they did, like, like uh, most of those studies just did like take a flex band, one end in each hand, stand on the middle of it and do lateral raises, you know, like lift your arms out to the side with your elbows straight against the resistance of the band. And it just works your upper shoulders and your upper traps and your neck and your upper arms, works everything, you know. Um, So that was awesome. Um, And then uh, the last one uh, was – uh, it wasn't a review. It was a it was a single study, um, and it was from twenty nineteen. Um, and I'm sorry, I can't remember the name of the author, but it was something like central pain mechanisms, upper trapezius, eccentric, eccentric training, something, something. Um, uh, anyway, upper trapezius, eccentric training, twenty nineteen. Um, right. That you should be able to find it. Um, and so Google ba- Scholar, guys, for those that that don't know where we'd, you'd go for this. Uh, yeah, and, and if I'll see if I can link to these in the show notes as well. Yeah, that'd um, be awesome. Um, and so basically, what they did was they got you know those same population, so basically office workers, computer female computer users with chronic neck and shoulder pain. So basically, your you know if you're a Pilates instructor, your exact clients, right? You know, forty yeah, yeah. year old women with tight upper traps, right, mm. <laughs> from a computer. Mm. And what they did was they gave them basically maximal strength training of the upper traps. Mm. So they, I remember seeing this study. Yeah, they put them in this basically a machine that, you know, they had to do shrugs against the mm. machine, but the machine was like a had shoulder pads on it that basically mm. pushed down on their shoulders. And this was, you know, again, in a, in a university lab, so it's like a, you know, $250,000 machine that measures every, yeah. you know, freaking thing they're doing or whatever. And it can just yeah. apply basically infinite amounts of force. And so mm. it just measured their maximum strength, right? Yeah. And then it applied 80% of that, right? So 80% of their absolute maximum. So this is, this in sports science lit- literature, this would be called heavy strength training. Yeah. Um, and they so did 80% that. 80% of one RM. 80% of their one rep max, yep. Yeah. Wow. Um, and they found, guess what? Um, targeted heavy strength training of the upper trapezius reduced pain and sensitivity in those muscles. So, um, uh, you know, when your upper traps feel tight, that's a real feeling, you know. Yeah, it's absolutely. 100% true. Um, but it's not a reflection of their actual biomechanical status. And what you should actually do is strengthen them. 
Mm. Yeah, even though they're yeah. so they're not a bad muscle, and it's probably the same with your hip flexors, right? So if you're uh-huh. doing if you're doing you know class and you're doing lying on your back and your abs work and you think oh abs are working awesome, then you're like oh no, I'm feeling gripping, the dreaded gripping in my hip flexors. Like yeah, that's just called that's another name for the muscles working. You know, mm-hmm. I'm feeling gripping in my abs. No, you don't say that. Why don't abs grip? It's because it's just to mm. say another word that mm. means they're working. Right? Mm. And 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 when your your butt starts to burn when you're doing, I don't know, side leg lifts, oh no, my butt's gripping. scooters. <laughs> you know why? Why are you like, oh yeah, let's push through the burn? What about when your lower back starts to burn? Yeah, so I think that's another common one at the moment. The moment someone feels something. And and I do think that probably loops into um, the misconception that, you know, our, our back is somehow fragile right. and, um, yep. you know, I think it does, it does kind of loop into that yeah. a little. Uh, Whereas yeah. what we know is that actually, no, it's a very strong, robust structure and we are highly adaptable. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, so. I, yeah, so I think there are, like in conclusion – because I've got to wrap this up now because I've got to help my daughter with her homework. Um, uh, in conclusion, I think there are three reasons I can think of why we yeah. have good, you know, we label muscles and maybe we don't like consciously use the word it's good and bad, but I think we have this kind of patina of, you know, value judgment over muscles. And part of it is aesthetic. You know, there are certain muscles we want to get bigger and other muscles we want to get smaller, but it's kind of illogical the way we think about it because we, we seem yeah. to think that activating some will make them smaller and activating others will make them bigger. And that doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't make sense at all. Um, and then we have uh, this kind of uh, like almost a, just a moral you know, I can only think of it as a moral kind of framework around there are actually, you know, good and evil muscles and the things like, you know, the sternocleidomastoids and the TFL, are, you know, and pec minor, you know, the dread pec minor are the, the bad guys and, you know, lower traps, serratus, glutes and lower abs are the are the good guys and they're, oh, sorry, psoas is the good guys, um, although sometimes maligned. And then I think there's a third layer, which, you know, and I think all of these interact. And the third layer is, like you said, like this kind of fear uh, and sort of notion of fragility that's mm. like, which again is is very illogical when you think about it. It's like, okay, we want to smash our abs, smash our glutes, smash our inner thighs, but go easy on my low back. Yeah. You know, um, it's like, well, the low back's just that's just the back of your abs, like it's the same bones. <laughs> and it's funny too to think if we think, you know, if the reasoning is because we think something's fragile, wouldn't you want to get it stronger? Yeah, well, how do you make something less fragile if so, it's on a human? Yeah. <laughs> load like, it. Load it, load it. Oh, my neck um, gets sore. What should I do? Strengthen it. Oh, and it. wrists. We didn't even touch on wrists. Charmin uh, did a great blog on, on wrists, didn't he? It's like, yeah, wrists, wrists, all wrists are a dirty word as well. Yeah, strengthen them. Um, strengthen them. Yeah. Strengthen them. Yeah. Awesome, Chloe. Great talking to you again, uh, mm. Ralph. Mm, Enjoy homework with, with Bintu. Talk to you next week. Yeah, okay. After two exercise science degrees and over a decade and a half of reading research daily, I've condensed all the current science on rehab into a program called the Clinical Exercise Specialist 
rehabilitation. Inside the program, I'll teach you to do three things. One, deeply understand how the body works. Two, confidently and expertly rehab literally any client. And three, get results for your clients. So ultimately, your clients tell their friends and you become known as the go-to expert in your area. This program is completely unlike any education you've done before, even if you've studied with us before, because of the way we've built the learning design. It's an online, flexible, skill-based learning program, which means you keep doing the skills under supervision until you're good at them. It's more of a mentorship model than a traditional course model. So rather than rushing through the content and having sort of one go at everything, you actually just practice live and we give you feedback and guidance and we dialogue and explore concepts together until you're highly skilled and confident. We just keep working the material until you get it. It's not rushed at all. It's not about ticking off the content. It's about engaging, practicing and applying it until you own it. This is a life-changing program, not some weekend certification. I've put my heart and soul into building this, and I can't wait to share it with you and help you discover your genius for anatomy and rehab. Now, because of the highly interactive nature of this program, we're only taking on 12 students worldwide. The program starts on March the 1st, and the first 12 qualified people to apply will be allowed to enroll. So if you're interested in learning more, click the link in the show notes and download the course guide or go to breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification menu in our uh, link in the top menu. That's breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification link in the top menu.